Join us for exciting live college hockey now. Watch the puck drop as the Notre Dame Fighting Irish battle the Boston University Terriers. Then stay tuned for more hard racing action as the Boston College Eagles carve up the ice and face the UMass Lowell River Hawks. Don't miss out on this exciting night of puck play, Friday night beginning at 6 p.m. on the American Sports Network. Follow us at live on ASN. Hey everybody, Jim Williams here, your host of the Sunshine Boys podcast on ASN Digital. And it's time to talk, of course, to the Sunshine Boys themselves, Joe Henderson, Ira Kaufman, and joining us uh, from Boston, Tim Williams. You know, guys, topic number one, let's pull up our USA Today's Bracketology and take a look at college basketball as it now stands, just about two and a half weeks away. From the start of March Madness, um, let's go to you, Joe Henderson. First up, let's talk about your thoughts on what's going to happen in March Madness. Um, if you don't mind me diving a little deep into, um, no, go ahead. The, look for the look for uh, Dayton. Uh, no, 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 no. We're not going to talk about Dayton yet. But if, <laughs> if you if you want to uh, dive a little deep in here. Uh, USA Today and and I think CBS, if I'm not uh, if I'm not mistaken, both have Wichita State as one of the first four out, and yeah. I could not disagree with that more. Uh, I think Wichita State uh, is is uh, first off they can win their way in by by winning the Missouri Valley tournament, but that is that's a very, very good basketball team. And where they're being punished is their strength of schedule, which is admittedly not very good, but they are punishing people in their, in their own conference. Their average victory margin is over 20 points a game. Uh, and, you know, we always talk about teams you don't want to see on the other side of the bracket from you. Man, oh man, that, that's one that I certainly would not want to. Uh, if I if I'm a seated a high seated team, and I uh, and I see Wichita State uh, opposite me, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be very afraid at that point because because Greg Marshall knows how to get a team ready. Uh, he's taken the uh, Wichita to the Final Four. Uh, they're they're a perennial team, and I just <clears throat> I really don't understand the the logic behind leaving them out. I just don't get it. I, According to USA Today, the first out would be Kansas State, Georgia Tech, Wichita State, and Georgetown. And frankly, I don't see how Georgetown even got in, but okay. Um, yeah, go that Georgetown. Route. Yeah, that that has – I don't understand that either. But proceed. Hey. Uh, your Terps uh, are, are on the bubble, Jim. Uh, I think most people think they're going to get in, Maryland. Um Boy, beating Wisconsin would have been nice. Jim. Would have been nice. Yeah, it would have been. The balance. Uh, they they didn't play very well in the second half. No, they're they're not they're not a very disciplined team. And um, look, we all know that when you go to the tournament, if you don't have a strong backcourt, you're not going to make it. And um, Ira's favorite buddy there, Mello Trimble, is the backcourt, so that's pretty yeah. much a problem. <laughs> Uh, they're they're ironically a very fast team, but they're just not very uh, 
you know, consistent team. I think they're probably a year or so away from being uh, a better team, but uh, right now, not so much. Does Villanova, Joe, does Villanova get enough hype, enough credit for uh, being so well coached and sort of like, um, I don't know, maybe the sum is, is bigger than the parts there in Villanova. They got some nice players. Josh Hart's a good player, but uh, Joe, that that's a heck of a program there, year in, year out now, and uh, you know, they're not a team, I, I don't think, that, uh, that that's going to self-implode uh, in, in, in tournament time. Well, they certainly didn't last year, did they? Um, <laughs> and uh, I agree with you, they probably don't get the credit they deserve, and Jay Wright uh, definitely doesn't get the credit he deserves uh, as being certainly one of a handful of elite coaches in the country. And they, um, you know, that is a, that is a tested, tough, well-coached team that is just, uh, yeah, I'm going to be shocked if they're not in the final four again, or at least the, the, the elite eight, because, you know, once you get into March Madness, uh, anything can happen. Uh, but Villanova seems to rise above that. And and so going back to your original question, Ira, I, I agree with you. They don't get the credit they deserve. And Jim, you know, you know we, can, we can go right from Villanova to, to, to talk about the greatness that is Boston College basketball, James. Um, <laughs> okay. I went to Northeastern. I would enjoy nothing more than talking about what's been happening to BC basketball over the last few our, years. We can have our special guest uh, chime in on the Eagles, uh, Mr. Williams. We also finished fourth in the bean pot while we're at it. Um, <laughs> you know, we've mentioned Villanova. We've mentioned Wichita State. If you want to talk about teams we that might not be getting the respect they deserve, though, we haven't really mentioned Gonzaga yet. Now they play in the in the West Western Conference. They're not going to see a lot of tournament teams. They have had an easier schedule than most, but they've won every game on that schedule. They're the number one team in the country, and they've been kind of a tournament mainstay for a long time. But they've never really broken through and lifted anything of of real note. So. This really could be the year that little Gonzaga finally breaks through. It, it's the best chance they've had, I think. Maybe oh, their problem, well, yeah, go ahead. Maybe their problem, guys, will be that uh, they haven't been in a lot of competitive games, and uh, sometimes that, that <clears> works <throat> against you. Uh, when, uh, you know, you're not going to blow out uh, teams as you get further into the tournament, and... Um, you know, being tested in crunch time a lot of times helps you uh, prepare for uh, for that crucible of uh, of uh, March. Well, yeah, Let, let's look at Gonzaga for what they are. Um, they have they they have four wins over teams in the top twenty five in RPI, seven uh, over fifth uh, in the top fifty. They have beaten very good teams. And what haunts Gonzaga is the past. They have always 
been one of those teams that right now we all look at them, we go, wow, they're wonderful, and then they let you down. And what everybody who's who's watched them says is that this team is different. They are saying uh, they they point to victories over Arizona, over your Gators, Ira Kaufman, and they say this team is different. For me, they're going to have to prove it. And I'm not going to automatically pencil them into the final four. I may not even pencil them into the final four, but I can certainly understand the argument that somebody would say, this is the best basketball team in the country. I don't think the selection committee believes that right now. And um, Gonzaga will come into the tournament with a chip on their shoulder and we'll see what happens. But uh, just based on the body of work to this point, they're the best team in the country. But we, as we all know, it only matters what you do in March and the first weekend in April. You know, here is on the Sunshine Boys podcast with Joe Henderson, Ira Kaufman, Tim Williams. You know, if um, if this USA Today bracketology uh, setup lines up as, as to be close to even true, you got FSU as a two seed, and they would face in Orlando, Florida Gulf Coast. That would be a that might be a fun a fun uh, uh, game to watch if if that were actually to come to fruition. You know, Jim, uh, that, that leads to a bigger point of um, I, I wouldn't say it's a golden year. I'm not going to go that far, but mm-hmm. uh, it's a very very good year for men's basketball in, in the Sunshine State. I mm-hmm. mean, the Gators, who who were not impressive in their previous game, and they've lost their center for the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, go out and um, you know they they win yesterday. Mike White's doing a heck of a job. They've won nine in a row. Mm-hmm. They're ahead of Kentucky in the standings. They are playing, I believe, at Kentucky Saturday, big national TV game. Mm-hmm. I, I I think Kentucky's a little overrated, guys. I, I'm not sure they're that strong. Uh, I wouldn't count the Gators out uh, in, in that game. Um, FSU's having a solid season, Joe. Florida Gulf Coast in first place. They're in line for another NCAA tournament bid. UCF, your favorite team, Jim. Uh, not bad, seventeen and ten. Yep. And uh, and Miami's creeping up. Uh, now I know uh, I got caught short talking up uh, Miami football, gentlemen, uh, <laughs> in the middle of the, in the middle of the season when they were five and zero. Oh. But uh, they look good. They're nineteen and eight, and uh, they're playing Duke Saturday and. They got a pretty good chance to to get a bid. So, guys, uh, good basketball season in, in in Florida. No, no question about it. Yeah. Well, well, I, I'm going to take a little exception with the. Uh, I wouldn't expect with, any. And don't mention uh, USF Henderson. Don't, don't. Do no, it. it's not. It's not going to happen. Uh, but uh, no, the only thing I want to know about USF is who who are they going to hire as a coach? But that that's another uh, topic for another day. Um, I don't like, I, I don't believe Florida State um, will be a two seed. And the reason I say it is this they, they're hitting a, a part in their schedule where politely it's been a speed bump. That was a very, very bad loss for them uh, last Saturday uh, at Pitt. 
they essentially got blown out. And that's coming off a pretty solid whooping that they got at Notre Dame. And okay, so they bounced back against uh, Boston College. Yay. But, uh, <laughs> you know, the, they are not peaking right now. And you look at teams that you want to see peaking. And um, I think Florida State will probably be, if I was to hazard a guess, a solid number three seed. Um, depending what happens in the, uh, to them in the conference tournament, I could actually see them dropping to to the four line, but you know they're they're solidly in the tournament. There's no question about that, and there is time to kind of correct this little free fall that they're in. But they have um, been giving up a lot of points. Uh, they've been disappointing uh, in games that you think they should win. They've kind of uh, the. They, they hit what I would argue that was their peak when they blew out Miami, Ira, uh, on, uh, back on February 1st, won that game uh, on the road by 18 points. Um, but since then, uh, not so much. So I think, I'm, uh, I, I, Joe, I think you're right. I think you're right. They, they beat people up in Tallahassee. They're 17-0 at home. And... Uh, other than that big win at Miami, I think Joe's right. They they might be a little bit of a paper tiger, uh, FSU. You know, if, uh, going looking back at this um, uh, USA Today bracketology thing, the Midwest, uh, in specifically in Kansas City, if this were to be true, Dayton would get Miami, Valparaiso would get Butler, and uh, Bucknell would get Louisville in the in that uh, that first round. Um, there's some there's some possible upsets there. Uh, Valparaiso is playing really good, and uh, you know Bucknell always gives people trouble. Well, this might be a little bit of local bias on my part, but I would point out that the in this bracketology in the East region, the 13 seed is Vermont. Vermont hasn't lost a game in conference this year. They are tearing through the admittedly mid-major would be generous America East, but they're tearing through it. This is the best Vermont team they've had since they had Taylor Coppenrath, and that team upset Syracuse as a 13 seed. So there's another team to watch out for in the could make a little bit of a splash in the first round. But back to Ira's point on Florida and the state of Florida. How about the Gators and the job they've been doing? I I'm just really impressed by the way they've been playing lately. They they spread the ball around. They spread the minutes around. They have one of the deeper rotations in college basketball. And they're going to be a team that always has fresh legs in the fourth quarter because – or not the fourth quarter, the second half because of it. So that's a tough team to play. They score a lot of points as well. They could end up a two seed if things go right for them. They'd have to finish off the SEC regular season championship. That involves a win Saturday against Kentucky at Kentucky. That's going to be a really tough game, especially with John Agunu out for the season and Bam Adebayo having his best game of his college career last night against Missouri. So that's going to be tough for the Gators. But if they can win that and if they can win the SEC, tournament 
that's a two seed. And that's a really dangerous team. That's a lot of if, but this is college basketball. Everything's a lot of if. Well, I, I would agree with you to a point um, on that, but I think the loss of Egbunu for Florida, their, their, their big force inside, will become more uh, worrisome as, as March winds on. Um, he was the difference, I think, in why Florida was able to manhandle Kentucky so much uh, in Gainesville in an earlier meeting, because that is where Kentucky is weak, is, is on the interior, and that was where Igbunu did his best work. Now, without him in there, Florida's still good, but they're you know they don't have the depth that you would need to to crawl all your way through the conference tournament, or especially once the uh, you know the the seedings are announced. Um, but uh, if I could back up just a second, you you referenced Vermont as a team to watch, and and I would agree with you. But uh, I just had a chuckle looking at uh, the USA Today bracket because they have Vermont uh, matched against West Virginia and Bobby Huggins in the first round at Buffalo. Now we're just playing around here with these with these projections and uh, we'll all know what the real ones are soon enough but let's have some fun with that one <laughs> I see where you're going Buffalo is pretty pretty I close to Vermont and yeah you see where I'm going in the uh, in a potential second round game yeah. there because it could have Bobby Huggins against the Cincinnati Bearcats and uh, I don't know about you but I'd watch that'd be fun yeah. um, Cincinnati have to get by UC Wilmington and West well, Virginia have to be Vermont. But, uh, you know, there you go. And um, that that's the kind of stuff that the, that the committee likes to do. Now, you know, we're just wildly playing around here at this point. But, um, you know, the uh, on Cincinnati for a second, the the this particular bracket is not particularly kind to uh, the the AAC, which it it only has SMU and Cincinnati uh, in the field, um, mm -hmm. kind of kind of devalues Houston, and and Houston's a dangerous team, guys. Mm -hmm. They could they're a team that could get hot at the right time and and roll through the conference tournament, and all of a sudden, you know, there goes there goes everybody's proposed brackets because you've got an upstart in there. I think they're good enough to do it. And, um, you know, that would be a team I would advise uh, folks to watch out for. Don't go to sleep on Houston. Well, you know, it's funny. Right. The A-10 has yeah. more teams in the tournament than the AAC. Yeah. Well, uh, didn't, Henderson, didn't Henderson make the same argument about Cougar football about four months ago? Look out yeah. for uh, Houston. Yeah, look uh, out for the Bearcats. Yeah. Hey, Jim, one, one more point on, on yeah, Gators sure. uh, that uh, even I think Henderson would agree with, Jim. Uh, that's a presumption, Jeff. But uh, presumption. Tim, no matter what happens from here on out, and if they mm -hmm. lose to Kentucky by twenty or whatever, uh, it's clear Mike Mike White uh, has put his stamp on, on Gator basketball. Uh, mm -hmm. Not not easy to do when when you're filling those Donovan shoes. Those are big shoes. And right. with Gator football relatively struggling, relatively. Uh, you know, ba basketball, I, I, I think, uh, rules the day in, in Gainesville. Still mm -hmm. does. 
Uh, you know, uh, it's a football state. I understand that. But, uh, guys, Mike White has done one heck of a job in a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There was always a fear when Billy Donovan was there. Would there be life after Billy Donovan? Would he leave in Florida just revert to, well, the SEC has some great basketball schools and it has some that you rarely see in the tournament. And you wondered if maybe after Billy Donovan left, Florida would go there. But it turns out there is life after Billy Donovan, and it's really entertaining. They, again, they spread the ball around like no college team in the country. I was worried they'd go back to the days of Neil Walk. <laughs> <laughs> well, Florida, you know, I didn't really uh, – Billy Donovan was was – a great, great college coach, two-time national champion, um, built really built Florida, put his stamp on that program, and made it a you know what it was um, back in the days of uh, Joe Kim Noah and all the rest. Um, but I didn't think they were going to fall off the earth after he left because the resources at the University of Florida are vast. And the will to succeed athletically is, is in all sports, is vast. That's one thing I always liked about uh, the former, now retired athletic director, Jeremy Foley there, was if, if Florida was going to field a team in any sport, and it, it didn't matter what the sport was, expected that team to compete for championships and not just conference championships he wanted to be the best in every sport so there was no chance that men's basketball was going to was going to slip very far after billy Billy donovan left and now with the with the revamped arena that the gators have which is um, among the finest on-campus facilities you'll see anywhere um they're positioned to to be up there for a long long time They, they got a good a good coach now uh, everything is is right in Gainesville. I just worry about what the loss of of Jonic Bunu means uh, for this particular team. Let me do. We got to see what happens in the wake of Jeremy Foley's uh, retirement. Yeah. You know that that'll be interesting too. Oh, absolutely. There's no question. Um, before we t- switch and go to football, real quick, I'm going to go around the horn here, guys. Um, who has the best basketball conference this year? Joe, you want to go first? Oh, well, that's easy. <laughs> the ACC, done and done. Okay. Um, top to bottom, you know, ACC could get, you know, nine, maybe even ten teams in the tournament. That would be validation right there. Uh, nobody else is even close this year. Ira? Boy, Jim, this is a heck of a podcast when I got to agree with Henderson. But uh, he's right. He's right. ACC uh, approaching double-digit representation uh, in the tournament. Uh, Nobody's close to that. Um, The funny part is uh, I don't think North Carolina has been as good as uh, they have been. Duke, uh, you know, down a smidge, guys. Uh, But top to bottom. I'll let Tim pick it up from here, but uh, I, I think it's uh, I think it's the ACC. 
the only other conference you could even make a case for, and it would have to be a thin case, is the Big Ten. They're sending a lot of teams to a potential tournament as well. But the problem is, when you look at those teams, I'm not sure you would pick any of them to really go that deep in the tournament. I don't think there's a lot of favorable matchups that make any of the Big Ten teams a good pick when you're filling out that bracket in a few weeks. So it has to be the ACC, even if they're padding all their schedules by beating up on Boston College. <laughs> you know, you, it, here's, this is what a weird year it is in the Big Ten. If the tournament started today, Northwestern would be in the tournament and Michigan State would not. What else do you need to know? I mean, it, it is... It, it is a very strange year in the Big Ten, and I don't think they're as good as they have been either. Um, everybody was in love with Maryland for a while, but, you know, they have their issues uh, against ranked teams on the road. Uh, they can't win. They can't beat these teams. Now, let me – I understand that Michigan State is projected in the USA Today bracket to be in the tournament. I'm, I'm not all in on that yet. I am. I'm not. I think, you know, maybe Izzo gets gets in on reputation, but they have been a to me one of the significant disappointments uh, in this season. That team lost at home to Northeastern, which yeah. made me very happy to hear. But you'll notice they're not in any of these brackets. They're hardly in the middle of the CAA. That's the kind of loss Michigan State has on their resume. I'm not sure this is a year. You're, I think you're right. I think that's mostly a reputation pick. One, well, one, and – Go ahead. No, I was going to say, let's – and back on the ACC for a second. Uh, I know North Carolina right now gets the, gets the, the one, one seed, but I told you last week, I'm going to tell you again, Duke is coming on like an avalanche. And they, you know, they're, they've got everybody back. They've got all the pieces. I remember back in November when all this started, people were saying Duke may have the best talent in the country. And you know, that's a team that people love to, to not like, but just look out. Here come the Blue Devils. And uh, they are going, if they wind up in, in the Final Four, I, I certainly will not be surprised, and I don't think anybody else should be either. One quick thing on Northwestern. If indeed they do make the tournament, and USA today has them as an eighth seed, Northwestern, that would be the first time since the NCAA tournaments have existed that Northeast, Northwestern made the tournament. So that would be nice for the Wildcats if indeed they did it. Well, we kind of hope that they would just you know, because it'd be a great story, but they have come close in the last few years and they always manage to figure out what they're doing right and correct it. So they're, they're not, they're not in, they got 20 wins good on them. They Mm -hmm. should be in. You hope they're in, but if I'm a Northwestern fan, uh, I'm, I'm not exhaling until I see their name actually on the bracket. Right. And this year, the uh, big 10 tournament is hosted by, of course, one of the stalwarts of uh, the Big Ten, Washington, D.C. So um, 
There you go. <laughs> they'll be playing at the Verizon Center, so it'll be a lot of fun. Before they go up to Brooklyn uh, to play at Barclays, I guess, the following year, next year. So anyway, um, after this short break on uh, the Sunshine Boys podcast, we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit about NFL free agency and uh, who benefits uh, from that one. You're listening to the Sunshine Boys podcast. Tune in and witness the power and drive on the court during a full day of live NCAA basketball. The Hofstra Pride take on the James Madison Dukes. Liberty faces UNC Asheville and the Duquesne Dukes battle the St. Bonaventure Bonnies. Continue watching as the Marshall Thundering Herd travel to North Carolina to play the Charlotte 49ers and the Brown Bears fight for the win against Harvard in an Ivy League matchup. Saturday beginning at noon on the American Sports Network. Welcome back. You're listening, of course, to the Sunshine Boys podcast on ASN Digital. I'm Jim Williams, your host, along with the Sunshine Boys themselves, Ira Kaufman, Joe Henderson, and joining us from Boston, Tim Williams. We're going to be talking a little bit about NFL free agency, and let's start with Ira Kaufman. Ira, you're up. Um, This is the period of time right now uh, where where the numbers peak. The numbers are bigger now than they are during the season. In terms mm-hmm. of interest, because free agency, is, as everybody on this call knows, is that magic uh, elixir, and it's going to fix all your ills. When in reality, guys, uh, Bill Polian, I think, was the first guy to say it. Uh, free agency is, is a chance to fix your draft mistake. That that's what it is. Uh, because <laughs> guys, if you Good fill point. these holes, if you fill these holes in, in late April, uh, you, you wouldn't be so desperate in in, in early March. Mm-hmm. So, look, there, there's some names out there. Uh, Buck fans are going crazy because, uh, as usual, the Bucks have a lot of money to spend. Uh, what is not usual is they're coming off a winning season. So there's this sense that, you know, the right one or two guys could put them over the hump and get them in the playoffs for the first time in a decade. And, uh, you know, you don't know who's going to be available in the draft. But, you know, if, if, you, if you spend enough money, Guys, you can you can land a couple of free agents. So, you know, we'll get more in depth on it as as we go along today in this podcast. But the Bucks in particular, guys, there there is a frenzy uh, among Bucks supporters that uh, they should uh, empty the bank, empty the bank, be very aggressive. Talking about guys like Deshaun Jackson, you know, Calais Campbell. Uh, if Adrian Peterson becomes available, they want him too. Gentlemen, they want to spend the Glazers' money. Um, and I always try to urge caution and, and try to be a little more strategic because, you know, Jim, your Washington Redskins mm-hmm. every year make a lot of noise in March. And, you know, when January rolls around, we, we don't see them. So you got to be careful with free agency overall. I don't think there's any question about that. One of the things you're talking about the Redskins, Kirk Cousins, of course, is. Uh, possible free agent. Um, and it's kind of interesting. Uh, the Redskins, I think, are afraid of Kurt Cousins. <laughs> They're afraid if they sign him that he's not going to live up to what um, you know they hope him to be, a franchise-type quarterback. And they're also afraid that if they let him go, he will somewhere else. So I, I think that's where things are uh, are locked up. I mean, he wants a number that is in the 85 North number. And I don't know if they want to 
commit that to him. They may franchise him again. You say they're afraid of Kirk Cousins. I think they're more afraid of Kirk Cousins being Brock Osweiler. That here's you you look at Houston who spent a ton of money on a quarterback because they needed a quarterback, which is a really dangerous position to be in in the NFL because as much as every team needs a good quarterback, there aren't 32 of them to go around that can really lead a team the way that people want a quarterback to lead a team. So you have teams like the Redskins that are in a really difficult position where they don't, it, it is worth questioning if Kirk Cousins is worth that kind of money. It certainly two years ago would have been a hilarious idea that Kirk Cousins would have been worth that kind of money. But at the same time, without Kirk Cousins, where do they go for a signal caller? And right now, the way the NFL's set up, can you really just try and wing it with your quarterback? Well, um, one of the interesting things about Cousins is that he has been linked um, in scuttlebutt. I don't know how seriously to take this, but he has been linked with the San Francisco 49ers. Right. And would would that be really the a move that a new regime would want to make? Um, Ira, would, would John Lynch... Uh, lay out the cash it would take. It probably it'd probably be somewhere in the uh, ninety ninety five million dollar range, multi year deal, a lot of guaranteed money. Would John Lynch uh, stake his new general manager's job on Kirk Cousins? Kirk Cousins? Would he do that? <laughs> I think it'd be a heck of an opening statement uh, for John Lynch uh, with the idea that Kyle Shanahan guys could bring out the best. And Kirk Cousins, uh, a la what he did with Matt Ryan, um, although Matt Ryan had a, had more of a body of work than Cousins. The problem with Cousins, Jim, tell me if you agree, you, you've seen him play a lot, mm-hmm. is um, he did just enough to kind of whet your appetite. And I don't like the way he finished those last two weeks. I, I, it's not all on Kirk Cousins, but you've got to beat the Giants. Uh, Jim, you, you got to find a way to win that game when when it didn't mean anything to the Giants. You, you got to win that game. Yeah. And and they didn't do it. And Cousins wasn't particularly good. So I think that goes back to your point. That creates that dilemma. Um, but as Tim pointed out, and I think this is going to carry the day. They don't really have a lot of options, Jim. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. what do they got? Colt McCoy. Um, That's it. You know, let's let's be realistic. It's not a good year for the draft terms of quarterbacks uh, Jim there's other guys out there you know Colin Kaepernick uh, is probably going to be sprung loose uh, he's not mm-hmm. old uh, now look I'm not talking about him specifically for the Redskins but uh, you know if you're the Jets or somebody do you, do you take a chance on, on Kaepernick uh, Tony Romo it, it's a very very intriguing uh, off season for, for some of these quarterbacks where they're going to end up it's funny you're talking about Cousins. Part of the reason that people were angry and some of the reason that I think the Redskins were a little um, gun-shy in, in choosing not to, you know, it's it, by the you know, by the end of this podcast, he, you know, Kirk Cousins could have a multi-year deal with the Redskins. I, you know, that's just the way it works. But Kirk Cousins was is mobile, okay? Although in the Giants game, 
there were three or four times where he literally could have just pulled the ball down and run and got his first down and continued to, you know, to keep the chains going. But for whatever reason, ended up throwing the ball. And one of those times he ended up throwing the ball, he ended up throwing the ball to the wrong team. And uh, that pretty much salted away the season. So um, that's what got, I mean, there are times when Kirk Cousins just absolutely looks fantastic. And there's other times you, you know, are wondering what the hell he was thinking when he did it. But, um, you know, all things being equal, I think you have to sign Cousins. If nothing else, you have to sign him and then put him in a possible sign and trade deal. Jim, uh, sticking with the skins for a second. Um, Mm -hmm. Deshaun Jackson, Pierre Garçon, different type of receivers. Right. Uh, I think even Joe would agree with me that uh, for the buck purposes, they're looking for a, a game changer. And so I think maybe Jackson might be a better fit in that sense. But, Jim, can can you see the Redskins letting both Jackson and Garcon um, hit, hit the market? Um, no. that That's a lot of firepower to, uh, to potentially yeah. lose there. They'll probably keep Garcon, although they'll try to keep them both, but they'll probably keep Garcon. I don't see them keeping both of them, and I don't think. Uh, I know that um, this week uh, Deshaun uh, was interviewed in Philadelphia and talked about how much, if he didn't stay with the Redskins, he'd like to be back in Philadelphia. So, uh, you know, but that's just, you know, Deshaun talking. So I, I don't know where he may end up, but... But I don't think the Redskins are going to be able to keep them both. I do think that they'll likely keep uh, keep Garcon because he's better as a possession receiver, and that they do have some outside guys that uh, are not quite as obviously as polished as Djax. But I think that he's probably going to go as a free agent. Joe, is Jackson a good fit in in Tampa, Joe? No. <laughs> Here's why. He's 30 years old, all right? Mm-hmm. He's going to want a, a decent contract, right? I so, so why wouldn't you look to someone younger, like an Alshon Jeffrey, maybe? Maybe. How about that? All right, Jeffrey's three years younger, going to make a lot more money, but the Bucks have, what, $50 million in, in cap space, if not more than that? Yeah. So... You know, you're trying to give Jameis Winston weapons, and we all agree they need receiving help. Uh, they certainly can't count on Vincent Jackson anymore. Um, and what they have behind Mike Evans are, to put it politely, stop gaps. And so you've got to have another threat to go alongside your main weapon and take some heat off of Mike Evans. I would... If I was looking at 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 you know the whole landscape, uh, and I and I'm the Bucks GM, you know, I'm going to go get the best receiver I can find out there. Jeffrey's an unrestricted free agent. Now, you know, he who if if you're a receiver, do you think you would like to come down and play with a team that's on the rise with a quarterback uh, the caliber of Jameis Winston, who's going to be there for a while? I think it's an attractive fit. That's just me. What don't you like about Jackson, Joe, other than his age? His age. <laughs> um, you know, receivers can – he's a fine player. Don't get me wrong. But if I'm building a team and I'm, I'm trying to build it to last, I want a guy who can give me 
four or five years. And I don't, I don't think that that is Deshaun Jackson. You know, to your point, Joe, about uh, Jackson and the Bucks and the receivers, in Jameis Winston's first two seasons, by week 17, he had one of his opening day pass targets available to throw to that was healthy. Mm-hmm. That can't happen this next year. The way that that team set up, for them to have the late season run they're going to need if they need to make, it, to make the next step and finally make the playoffs, they're going to need depth. So I would, I would agree that someone who's hit 30, as good as Deshaun Jackson is, when you're as speedy as that, when you're as agile as that, you're one knee injury away from losing it. And the older you get, the more susceptible to injury you become. Of course, with football, everyone's susceptible to injury all the time. Jeffrey, I think, would be a better choice. It would be a good use of free agent money, whereas, say, Adrian Peterson would not be. But I would also sign someone more – I would take a flyer on someone else, someone like a maybe a Percy Harvin or a Cordero Patterson, if they're available and they're not that expensive to come in and make sure that you just have that depth in case there's another rash of injuries. So by week 17, Winston has more than just one guy to throw to. Well, and I I understand that argument, um, but I would not sign two free agent wide receivers. I would look to the draft for the other one. And I'm not saying spend a first round pick on them, but you know, you can, you know, the free agency, as Ira said at the start, is about correcting your mistakes uh, from the draft. And But it's also true that you build your team through the draft. So, you know, maybe, maybe push your chips into the middle of the table for one big name that's going to help out Jameis, and then, and then let's concentrate on the draft and get it right. You know, uh, Jim, um, mm-hmm. the Tony Romo situation uh, is worth watching. Because uh, among the teams that are being mentioned, and there's some obvious ones, Houston, Denver, uh, the Jets are going nowhere, so I don't see that happening with Romo, uh, nor would he want to go to the Jets. And I think Jerry feels very strongly uh, about Romo and what he's meant to the Cowboys, and I think he's going to be careful about where he ships them. Um, but one team's name that keeps coming up, guys, and it's close to my heart, Mm-hmm. And I don't know where this is coming from. It's Kansas City. Now, you know, they Alex have a quarterback, Smith, don't they? <laughs> Alex Smith, uh, his record, guys, is pretty darn good, but mm-hmm. he can't seem to get him over the hump. And, you know, he's very limited. He's kind of mechanical in some ways. Um, and, Jim, I thought he was a lot more effective when he, when he ran. He's a good runner, and, and they've clamped down on that, and I think it's hurt him. Uh, he doesn't run very much anymore, and, and I thought that was an extra virtue he brought. And All of a sudden, the Chiefs are being linked to Romo. Um, that would mean the end of Alex Smith in, in Kansas City. I, I don't know that Romo's an upgrade, uh, guys. Uh, am, I, am I looking at this wrong? No, you're looking at it absolutely right, and your Chiefs don't have a lot of cap space either. In fact, I think you're over the cap. And so you're going to have to start juggling some contracts. And 
I don't think you do anything but just muddle the situation by bringing in a Tony Romo because I promise you one thing, he's going to get hurt again. That's just, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer that, you know, an injury one year is one thing, but when the same guy has the same injury and he's had back problems, he's had this, he's had that, uh-uh. It, it, this is not uh, not a guy that, that you look to as, as, you know, the guy who's going to get get you where you want to go. So, you know, look look elsewhere, friend. Look elsewhere. Yeah, Tony Ira. Romo's a tough call on that just because he's hardly played football in the last two years. So even if he came back healthy, who's to say healthy Tony Romo now is anything like the Tony Romo that people want to get, which may require a time machine. And, I have Jim, a question. Who, Jim, who's, who's the one team that nobody ever talks about with free agency? They sit out the first wave. They pick their spots. I'm going to go with little, New England. Little, little Tim Williams <laughs> with New England. Yeah. You, you know, uh, you know, and they go up and pick up the scraps uh, who don't cost a lot, but they play uh, strategic roles. Then they coach them up in the Belichick system. Uh, you know, you never hear New, you never hear New England making some kind of big splash. Uh, no, at least not recently uh, in free agency. Ira, how much do you think that uh, Houston would pay to get Romo? Houston's got to do something because I think they're That's what I'm saying. out. And, yeah, they're going to have know, a hell of a defense. Yes, they are. Um, you know, you hope JJ Watt comes back 100. percent And I think you, mm-hmm. we all mean that as football fans. Sure. The guy, the guy, you know, is probably the closest thing we've seen to Lawrence Taylor mm-hmm. uh, in, in the modern era as, as a game wrecker. Uh, mm-hmm. Fantastic player. Sort of, you know, cornered the market on the Defensive Player of the Year award. That's not mm-hmm. easy. And if he comes back to full health, you know, and Clowney finally showed up, and they got yeah. other pieces, um, they're, they're, you know, they're they're a, a good quarterback away. So I understand, uh, you know, the point about Romo's health, but you can't pass up a Romo if you're used to. You can't. Right. Um, and so, uh, and maybe you know, and 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 everybody will be rooting for Romo. All of a sudden, the Texans will be uh, America's team. Take that, Dallas. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, Joe's right. It doesn't make any sense in Kansas City. I mean, I, I, I don't see it. Um, what about Denver, guys? They got a, just enough defense left with Von Miller in his prime, Tlaib in his prime, Chris Harris. They got some pieces. Um, yeah. Got some receivers, you know, and maybe maybe Jerry wants to get them out of the conference. Send them, send them over to Denver. Uh, I could see it. I could see it happening. Well, I just I, I was thinking that those are the two teams really with the most realistic opportunity to get them uh, because they are a quarterback away from 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 being involved in. And I just the more I look at Houston, the more I'm thinking, man, you know, with that defense coming back, they're going to get a lot more possessions, and that's gonna that's gonna help the offensive side. And they're not bad; they just need uh, a quarterback. And maybe Tony Romo is the guy, and you know, we'll see if they're willing to. Uh, to uh, break the bank with Joey uh, Jerry to make it happen. So Jim, I, I got a know. question for uh, I got a question for young Tim up there. Okay. Uh, he 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 knows Garoppolo a lot more than uh, Joe and I uh, because of his small sample size and 
Tim, am I wrong, or are people going crazy over a kid who uh, has very, very, uh, you know, small uh, games played experience uh, and not learning the lesson that uh, whether it's uh, an assistant coach, him, or a player, uh, when they leave Foxborough uh, and and they leave uh, the tutelage of the man, uh, they generally flop. They generally flop. You don't hear much from them. And I think there's a good chance Garoppolo would fit right into that pattern, yet people are falling over themselves uh, about this kid. Now, and if he's that good, Tim, do they let him go with, with, with a 40-year-old Brady? So, I don't know. I, I just think this is a classic case of overkill with Garoppolo. I have two thoughts on this. First, you mentioned the assistant coaches and the players that leave New England and how they perform after they leave New England. Bill Belichick, for all his greatness, is going to have a very interesting place in coaching history because he's going to be one of the great coaches with the smallest coaching trees. He might even have a smaller one than Chuck Knoll, whose coaching tree consists of exactly Tony Dungy, and that's it. So... That, that's really interesting, being that he's also about the most accomplished NFL coach that ever came around. So that's really, that's something that has been understated in New England. And of course, there is Bill O'Brien who came out of that system, who's doing a pretty decent job in Houston, but that's about it. And that's really surprising. But my other thought is, I don't think Garoppolo's going anywhere. I really don't. I if some team's willing to give up everything the Patriots could ever ask for, for maybe, but they have Tom Brady at 40. And as much as they should give Tom Brady all the leeway in the world around here, there's a phrase that dominates football discussion called the Patriot way, which is when the Patriots have no use for you anymore. Sorry, Jamie Collins, you're gone in the middle of the season, even though you're playing well, gone. And they didn't miss a beat. And eventually that might happen to Tom Brady because he's a tough competitor. It's hard to imagine him just eventually hanging up and walking away. And if he hangs on a little too long, the Patriots won't want to be the team that he does it with. And I think they want to have Garoppolo there as insurance unless someone offers them a first round pick and maybe something on top of that. I don't see Garoppolo getting out of new England really at all. I don't think this is a Matt Castle situation. I think new England really wants to keep him. And Ira, I would throw a, a, another layer on top of that is, is you say the sample size is small and it is, but how large was the sample size when the Green Bay Packers let Brett Favre go to put in Aaron Rodgers. Right. Right. Two games. And two games, yeah. And this guy, Garoppolo, has sat behind what we all now will agree, I think, is the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. And not only what you're seeing on the field, but what you see from Tom Brady in the in the in the film room and the you know, and all the preparation that he does and so on and so forth. You're going to absorb that by osmosis. And, and Garoppolo has been there long enough that, you know, he, 
you talk about the Patriot way, I'm, I'm at that point more interested in the Brady way. And so if I'm a Kyle Shanahan or even the Cleveland Browns sitting there um, with the number one overall pick, I might consider it. I might consider it if, if I could talk the Patriots out of him, because I think this is a guy that you can build with. And I don't blame the Patriots if they want a King's ransom, but I would sure uh, kick the tires on it at least. Well, guys, real quick before we say goodbye here, uh, one guy on this list of uh, free agents is um, a USF guy, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul. What's, um, is there any uh, tread left on that tire? I think there is. And I, like, like the Eric Berries of the world, um, it sounds very enticing, and then it, they, they never get to hit free agency. I don't think the Chiefs mm-hmm. are going to let Berry hit free agency. And I think the Giants are grappling with Pierre Paul. He's, he demands a lot of money. But uh, he's not old, Joe. He's not old. Uh, he had that freak injury with the fireworks. But he played pretty well last year. Um, and I'm not sure they can afford uh, to miss him. Uh, now, their defense was playing very well, and then they got exposed. They got exposed by Aaron Rodgers, which happened. Uh, but in that on that day, they, they didn't pressure him very much. And if Pierre Paul hits free agency, guys, I, I think there's going to be a lot of interest in him. Uh, whether he's playing without a thumb, with a thumb, I don't think it matters. Um, he's a freak talent. He's a freak. And um, he does a lot of things well. Uh, there's, no, there, there's a dearth of pass rushers on the market. If the Giants uh, let him test the market, he's going to be a rich man. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely, Ira. I don't think there's any way that uh, Jason Pierre-Paul gets out of New York. I just, I'm not seeing it. Okay. There he's Problem not solved. coming out of Problem solved. <laughs> okay, anybody uh, else have Jim, questions what? on how to solve problems? Send it to us right here. Uh, Jim, one more, one more quick thing on Sure, three, go ahead. Um, and, 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 the, and, and the Bucks, but uh, there will be other suitors for this guy. Um, mm-hmm. He's a big, big man, six foot eight, three hundred pounds. His name's Kalei Campbell. He's been an Arizona Cardinal, oh, yeah, for his entire career. He's about thirty, thirty-one. He's a he- he's a heck of a player. Mm-hmm. He plays in a three-four in Arizona. He can play outside. He can play inside. The Bucks obviously play a four-man front. Denver's interested in him. I've heard the Redskins link to him, the Raiders. Uh, great locker room guy, which counts. Uh, Arizona can't afford him because they're putting the franchise tag, Tim, on Chandler Jones, it looks like. And so they're going to probably have to let Campbell test free agency. Uh, he's a good fit in Tampa, gentlemen. He's the one guy uh, that I'm jumping on uh, from a Buck perspective. You can't have too many pass rushers. Noah Spence, still young and developing. Gerald McCoy needs help. Keep your eye on Calais Campbell. He's going to be very coveted. You might have to win a bidding war for him. Uh, but I think, in my mind, he's one of the top three free agents uh, that are going to be out there. Okay. All right, boys. Here's We'll come to the end of the show here where you get an opportunity to 
give us something uh, that uh, that you're going to be looking forward to this coming week. And, um, you know, uh, of course, your social media. We'll start with uh, Tim. We'll start with you up in Boston. Go ahead. Well, we we're talking about free agency in the NFL, but tomorrow is the NBA trade deadline. And this is going to be one of the busiest in recent memory. Marcus Cousins has already been traded to New Orleans. The Lakers traded Lou Williams to the Rockets yesterday. The Celtics are going to be in it, and that's going to be very interesting because they have the Brooklyn Nets draft rights for, I guess, the rest of time. And they can just give whatever pick they want. But I, I feel like they're going to end up not doing anything because the NBA, as much fun as it is, is right now a two-team league. And if you're trying to compete with those two teams, unless you have a superstar no one's ever heard of in your back pocket, good luck. Because the Warriors and the Cavs are just miles ahead of everyone else right now. Maybe better luck next year with some free agency and some trades after that. But I think that's that's about it for the NBA. As much fun as the next couple of days are going to be to watch the trades come in. And you can follow me on Twitter at Tim Writes Sports. Okay, Joe Henderson. Well, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the initial J Henderson Tampa. And um, I'm going to take it back on to college hoop. And last week I gave you uh, St. Bonaventure and Dayton as a game to watch. Yeah. It ended up uh, being a terrific game. Dayton won a close game. Um, I'm going to go a little more conventional this time and say that there is a game on Wednesday night, the day we are recording this podcast, that has the potential to be an outstanding basketball game. And that is in the Big East, where Butler goes to Villanova. Uh, They are running 1-2 in the conference. Uh, Nova won uh, the earlier match by, uh, I think, about 8 or 10 points. And uh, but Butler is is a as we all know is a is a dangerous dangerous basketball team, and uh, they will be up for the challenge uh, in this game. This would be a chance, Ira Kaufman, for Villanova though, to really show that uh, you know they are the champs in every sense of the word. If they can rub out Butler impressively, then uh, that'd be quite a statement for them. Ira, you're up, buddy. All right. Uh, on Twitter, guys, at uh, iKaufman76. I'm going to go from the ridiculous to the sublime. Ridiculous okay. NBA All-Star game. Unwatchable, horrible. You better change the format. Disaster. The sublime. Uh, this one pains me because I'm an old Sixer fan. Grew up hating the Celtics in the 60s. Still hate the Celtics. But, Tim, i got to give it up. Uh, in an age of great guard play, fabulous guard play, Curry, Harden, Westbrook, if I had a vote right now, and I don't, for the MVP of this league, I'd vote for this little, this little pipsqueak on the Celtics. His name's Isaiah Thomas. I don't know how the heck they got him. Through uh, hooks and ladders, they found Isaiah Thomas. And... The guy's fabulous. And 
Every time I look up, he's scoring 13 points in the fourth quarter of a close game. He's the closest thing I've seen to Iverson. Tiny Archibald. He's like 5'9". So keep your eye on this Isaiah Thomas. He's an MVP candidate. I think he's a strong one. And right now, I would vote for Isaiah Thomas over LeBron and all those other guards. He's that good. Cool. All right. Well, personally, I think I'm going to be spending Sunday watching the Daytona 500. And um, there's going to be some... Let me know how it ends, okay? I will. But next week, you'll find... (laughs) Those of you who... um, that game you talked about earlier, Joe, it'll be over by the time this podcast gets gets aired. But uh, well, then then we'll see how accurate I was. Right, anyway, exactly. Go ahead. We'll, we'll give it. We'll give people an opportunity. But, Still the best game of the week, uh, indeed. Although I uh, Sunday or Saturday, I guess it is. Um, UCLA takes on Arizona. That that might that, be pretty. That's good. that's a great game too. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, one one time I covered uh, the Daytona 500 for yep. United Press, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I had just gotten transferred from New York to Tampa. They told me to go over to Daytona. Yep. I told them I didn't know anything about auto racing. They said it doesn't matter. Uh, and I swear, I stood up in the middle of the press room, mm-hmm. and I said, I said, ladies and gentlemen, in 90 seconds, there will be a bulletin on the UPI wire with my name on it and a Daytona Beach dateline. And right now, I have no idea who's winning. I don't know. I, I I couldn't read. I couldn't read. I couldn't read the scoreboard, Jim. It's a crazy sport. Well, everybody, that brings to an end this edition of the Sunshine Boys podcast on ASN Digital. Be sure to go out and sign up for the Sunshine Boys podcast. You can get us at iTunes, Google Play, or of course on Blog Talk Radio. You can also listen to us right here on ASN Digital. So. For the Sunshine Boys themselves, Ira Kaufman and Joe Henderson. For Tim Williams, who joins us from Boston, I'm Jim Williams, your host of the show, bidding you a good afternoon and hope that you enjoy your week. Until next time, be well. Tune in and witness the speed and energy on the court during a full day of live NCAA basketball. Don't miss the Atlantic 10 Explorers of LaSalle take on the UMass Minutemen. Continue watching when the Detroit Titans compete against the Green Bay Phoenix. And stay with us for Conference USA play when the women of UAB face the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders. Sunday beginning at 1 p.m. on the American Sports Network. Follow us at live on ASN.